Welcome to Carrot Fergus Vineyard, a place of hope where lives are changing. We're a church in the heart of Carrot Fergus, passionate about seeing people's lives changed by the love of Jesus. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. Now, at the end of May, uh, every year, is the time when I get my renewal quote for the house insurance. And um, you get a bit fed up with it because it's just three weeks after I get the renewal quote for the car insurance. And uh, um, sometimes you find the price has gone up a ridiculous amount. And it happened this last year as well. And then you've got to start looking for another insurance policy. And you're looking around, um, you want one that is cheaper, but you want one that is is good as well. One that will maintain the same level of cover that you're used to. Um, uh, and uh, there's all this nonsense about what level of excess do you want to pay. And, uh, and then eventually they ask you questions about your door locks. And we all remember, I'm sure, the uh, insurance advert from a few years back. Um, and that was the one where a stressed house, own, house owner is being interrogated by an increasingly frustrated insurance company rep. And she says, you've been living in the house for seven years. For the last time, does your door lock conform to a British standard BS3621? And the poor man replies plaintively, I don't know. Nobody knows. And then the interrogator snaps their pencil in frustration. But I suppose it's a valid question, how safe is your door? The door is the potential vulnerable part in any building. Now, for those who are techie, uh, BS3621 requires a five lever mortise deadlock or equivalent. <laughs> now, do you know if your door conforms to it, because I certainly don't. <laughs> I know I've got a door and it's got a lock. But we're looking today at John chapter 10 and verses 1 to 10, and Jesus uses the illustration of a door. And we're looking at, I am the door, a statement that Jesus makes, and it illustrates that he's got a much higher standard than BS3621. We are much more eternally secure in him. Okay. So, if we move on to, I'll read the, the verses, and then we're going to look at the context of chapter 10. Um, in verses uh, 1 to 6, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear the, heed them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Praise the Lord. Now, to put this message in, in context, I want to look at uh, chapter 9 because in the Bible there is no chapter headings uh, as the book was written and in fact chapter 10 comes straight from chapter 9. And if we look at what happened in chapter 9, um, I'm just going to go through some of the main points of, of, of what, what happened there. And it was the story of a man who was born blind and Jesus healed him. And he did it by that slightly odd way of spitting on the ground, which is not the, the, the standard way of doing things, um, and making some mud from the dust and putting it on his eyes and then saying, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which he did and he could see. And of course, Jesus didn't do it on any day, he did it on the Sabbath. And um, it was the day when by the strict religious rules, you were not supposed to do any work. And some people think that the reason that he spat in the ground was because he was doing work. That was considered as work when he made the, the paste and put it on the eyes of the man. He, he deliberately chose the Sabbath. He could have done it on any other day, but he chose the Sabbath. And the Pharisees hated it. And uh, Jesus did it because he wanted to be noticed. You could imagine how um, upset Jesus was with the way that the Sabbath had been treated. In Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the Pharisees criticized him because he worked, um, did, did this, broke these rules about work on the Sabbath. Jesus was constantly on their radar. And of course their reaction was, they came along to do an interrogation to find out what had happened that day. And they interrogated the blind man immediately. And uh, he said, what happened? Um, sorry, the Pharisee said what happened and the, the blind man went through the story and uh, they, they said, who do you think Jesus is? And he said, the man is a prophet. And this really annoyed them. Uh, and uh, their conclusion was, after the first interview, was that Jesus couldn't be from God because he did not keep the Sabbath. He didn't keep the rules that had been set out for what you could do and you couldn't do. And then they went on to um, discuss this. And one of them said, hold on, if he's a sinner, how can he do what he did? So the conclusion they had was, well, the man wasn't really healed. Let's go and check. And they spoke to the man's parents. Now the parents said, yes, their son was born blind. But they said, we don't know anything about the healing. Uh, basically, nothing to do with us. He's old enough, go and speak to him. 
Uh, and this is really what the Pharisees wanted. They were trying to intimidate uh, the people into uh, not confirming that anything had happened. And then they went back to the man himself. And it's a very interesting uh, interrogation that they had uh, of the man the second time round. And he had to tell them the story again. And by now, he realized that um, they were trying to get him to say it didn't happen. So he starts to wind the Pharisees up, which is quite funny. He says, do you want to become his disciples too? Now, he knew exactly what the score was. But uh, they really got annoyed. And they started to um, threaten him. Um, and... Uh, it was quite interesting because here was a man who had been born blind and now he can see. And it seems that he can see more clearly than the Pharisees, who were the ones that were supposed to have the 2020 spiritual vision. And he comes back with an absolute zinger and he says, now that's remarkable. You don't know who, where Jesus came from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of, of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they really got annoyed and they insulted him. Uh, and then finally, they threw him out of the synagogue. Now, when it says they threw him out of the synagogue, it didn't just mean they said, here's the door, goodbye. Um, they actually excommunicated him. And under the rules of excommunication, it meant he couldn't come within about six feet of any other Jew. Uh, they couldn't have anything to do with him. He wasn't allowed in the synagogue again. And it was a, a real uh, change and quite a, a terrible thing for, to happen to a Jew. He was frozen out of the Jewish community. So, of course, Jesus came back to him and he revealed that he was the Messiah and the man believed. And then Jesus said uh, in public, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those, who, uh, and those who see will become blind. And the Pharisees began to understand that he was talking about them. And one of them said, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So the tables were turned. The man who was blind can now see both physically and spiritually. And the Pharisees who thought they were, uh, had greatest spiritual vision turned out to have none. And because they wouldn't even admit it, they were guilty before God. And that's exactly where chapter 10 begins. And that's the context of when Jesus is speaking. So if we come back to uh, uh, verse 1 and 2, um, just to look at the context of what Jesus is going to be saying, um, in chapter 10, there are two I am statements. And I'm going to look at I am the door, and next week Chantel will be looking at I am the good shepherd. And the I am bit, as we probably know, um, uh, comes from uh, Exodus 3, when Moses met uh, God on Mount Horeb at the burning bush. Um, God gave him a work to do. 
He was commissioning him to, to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said, hold on a minute. Um, suppose I go back to the Israelites and uh, say, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they say, what is his name? What am I going to say? And God says, I am who I am. That's what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And I am, or Yahweh, which was the sort of uh, Hebrew phrase that encapsulated that, was recognized as the name of God. So when Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I am God. And the Pharisees, of all the people who were listening, would be the ones that recognized the claims that Jesus was making. And uh, the audience that Jesus was speaking to in chapter 10 was uh, the ordinary Jews and a number of very angry Pharisees. So if we start with uh, verses 1 and 2, Jesus contrasts himself with the Pharisees. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Just to say that I'm using the revised standard version for this, and it uses the word door. Um, the NIV and other versions use the word gate, um, and that it's the same thing. Um, but door is the one I'm using uh, this morning. The Jewish listeners would easily understand talking about shepherds and sheep. It was a common practice in towns, apparently, for shepherds to bring their flocks to a common pen um, in the town. And they would uh, uh, bring their sheep into the pen along with all the other herds. And there'd be a gatekeeper who would stand there um, and look after the, the flocks. And then when he wanted to uh, um, take the flock out, he would come back to the, uh, the pen and he would call his own sheep out from all the sheep that were there. And the sheep would recognize his voice. They wouldn't come for anyone else. And they'd come out, and then he'd take them off to, out to pasture. They knew his voice, um, and they would not come if anyone else called them. And when it says here that, um, If anyone claims in another way that man is a thief and a robber, he was talking about people that did not come in by the door, people that came in a different way, people that didn't have the authority to be there. The door was the, the right place to come in and the right place to go out, but um, the Pharisees were the ones that did not have the authority to do uh, that, um, and they had this complex uh, legalism of rules that had to be kept uh, that would not re result in salvation and it was robbing and killing the Jewish people um, of their their birthright as it were um, and uh, uh, this verse covers all the people that claim to be the Messiah as well there were lots of people hanging around um, Israel both before and after Jesus uh, who said they were the Messiah false leaders as it were and uh, um, we see in Acts chapter 5 mentions uh, Th Thutis I think his name is and Judas the Galilean and in other uh, hist histories um, 
there are various other names mentioned of people that said they were the Messiah, um, but they weren't. And basically, they were talking about, he was talking about false leaders, false prophets. We all understand the idea of what a thief or a robber is. Uh, my first experience with a thief or a robber was when I was 13. Um, and when we lived, we lived over a, a chemist shop where my dad was the pharmacist. And early one Saturday morning, I got up uh, and walked into our living room and the window was wide open and there was the top of a ladder leaning in. This was not normal. And uh, clearly, someone had been trying to come in and they had not come through the door. We later realized that they were probably trying to get access to the chemist shop below where various drugs were held in a locked cabinet. And uh, this, apparently, according to the police, uh, there had been a number of uh, break-ins or attempted break-ins in the area. Um, ironically, they were probably scared off by our pet budgie. Uh, he was a nice blue budgie called Joey, and uh, uh, he, he was always my favorite. He always came to me. My mum always complained because she fed him and did everything for him, and he always came to me. Um, and uh, um, he learned a phrase because I always said to him, Who's a pretty boy then? He learned the phrase, and he would say, Who's a pretty boy then? And, this was um, probably very confusing because we learned later it was actually a girl, but <laughs> there we are. But anyway, when we got up in the morning, he was in a cage near the window and uh, covered in a cloth. Um, and we found that uh, he'd obviously been uh, disturbed and been in a flap and probably made a noise uh, because he'd knocked all his perches down onto the bottom of the cage and there were feathers on the floor and uh, lots of bird seed all over the floor and clearly he had uh, made a noise and this probably disturbed the burglar. Um, the only thing that was actually uh, stolen was my trousers. Um, and after we'd got over the shock of someone had been in the, the, the house, um, I said to mum, I can't find my trousers. And as, as every mother knows, they are expected to have an encyclopedic knowledge of where absolutely everything their children um, own is located and be able to point to it when asked. And obviously, my trousers were not on the first on the list for the worries my mum had that morning. So she said, oh, you probably left them somewhere. They'll turn up again later. Well, she was half right because they did turn up again later. Uh, they were found, um, we had a yard outside and a small barn at the bottom of the yard. And that's where they were on an old table. Um, and they had um, a keychain on them. And the thief probably thought, maybe these keys will get me into the shop below. Unfortunately, it could only have got him into my school games locker, which wasn't really what he was looking for. So clearly he was not a master criminal, but it was the first of several attempted break-ins actually over the next few years uh, to our house and to the shop. 
So when Jesus was lightening the Pharisees to thieves and robbers, you could imagine how angry this made them when they finally worked out what Jesus meant. They thought of themselves as spiritually superior, and yet Jesus was challenging their sets of rules. Um, and uh, also he was highlighting how badly they had treated the blind man. Because there was a man that God had blessed and who had gone from not knowing the Lord to accepting him into his life. And they put him out of the synagogue and abused him. Now the Old Testament is full of shepherding imagery. Uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were all sheep herders. David was a shepherd as well as the king. And the word pastor itself is the Latin word for shepherd. And the role of a pastor is to be a shepherd to the sheep and to care for all the members of the flock. So Jesus was warning about leaders that were in it for themselves, not taking care of their members, only to steal from them and ultimately to let them die spiritually. In fact, uh, throughout the Bible, there are warnings about false shepherds. In Ezekiel 34, for, for instance, um, uh, there is a, a word which says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves, should not shepherds take care of the flock. When we look at verses three to five, it's talking about how the sheep know the voice of the shepherds. And to him the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens um, and the sheep hear his voice and and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for he does, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is the perfect shepherd and he has God's authority. And hence he enters by the door, not over the wall like the false shepherds. And he knows each of us by name. He knows um, about us, he knows our circumstances, he knows our problems, he knows what we're going through, uh, he knows and he cares for each one of us as individuals. It's about relationship and that is what uh, the mark of a good shepherd is. We get to recognize his voice when he calls. Now, Linda and I look after our two granddaughters two days a week, and the youngest, Georgia, can be a bit suspicious of when she doesn't know people. She knows her mum, she knows us, we're in the family, but if someone else comes along to her and speaks to her, sometimes, well, she, she used to turn her head away. She wasn't interested. She's getting a bit better, now she's two, but when, when she, when she recognizes you as someone that could be trusted, she's fine. Otherwise, not so sure. We learn to recognize the voice of the Lord just like a small child recognizes their parents or people in the family. So how do we know if God is speaking to us? Well, the first thing is we need to wait and listen because so often in our busy lives we don't sit down 
and say to God, what do you want to say to us? And when we think that the Lord is speaking, we have a peace. It feels right in our spirit when we know God is speaking. We have that witness of the spirit within us. And we can test when, when we think God is speaking also because what is said should be confirmed and not contradicted by what the Bible says. Now that's a big thing because the Bible's big and there's an awful lot of stuff, but it means we have to get to know what the Bible says to be able to judge when we hear something to see does it correspond or does it uh, go against what we hear. And then of course, so there's the witness of the word and then there's the witness of circumstances. Sometimes when God speaks to us and tells us something, we have to wait to see, do the circumstances line up or is the timing right? So we can hear what God is saying to us and we can test to see if it is uh, the word, a word from God. Anyway, the Pharisees were not really getting this. The people did not understand the, uh, the analogy that Jesus was using in terms of uh, uh, the shepherd um, and the they needed to be spoken to again. And so um, then Jesus had to try again and he used a slightly more, a different picture in verses seven to 10. And I don't know if we can see, uh, there's a picture I got up there of um, a sheepfold. Yes, there it is. Um, and outside of the town when people were taking their flocks, there were a number of sheepfolds dotted around the place. And the sheepfold you can see there was a stone wall with um, a gap. And the idea was that at night when you needed to protect the sheep, uh, you herded them into the sheepfold. And the shepherd themselves sat or lay in the sheepfold and they became the door. And therefore, if anything was going to attack the sheep at night, any wolves or um, lions or whatever it was, um, or people coming to steal the sheep, then they'd have to deal with the shepherd first because he would be there to protect them. And it says, uh, if we look at uh, verses uh, 7 to 10, in verse 7 and 8, it says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So you can see that uh, whereas the thieves and robbers would be the ones trying to get in over the walls, or um, they had to go through Jesus first in order to get uh, uh, what they wanted. Jesus says, I am the door. He stood between the problems that the sheep might have um, and when Jesus says I am the door he was basically saying I am the son of God I am the entry point for anyone that wants to come to God the only way to reach God not just a door but the door the one and only door all who have come before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep have not listened to them it says we need to have discernment to know uh, what's happening and to be able to discern between what is said and what people are saying 
and to see uh, how people behave. Um, and we know when it's Jesus calling and it's the word of Jesus. And uh, like a good teacher, he then, in verse 9 and 10, he says it again. He says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If we look at what Jesus is promising, first of all, it's protection. He himself is the door. He is our protection, way above British Standard BS 3621. Jesus is the true shepherd that protects us from those who would steal and kill and destroy. And there are times when we just need to run to him. It says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in, run to it and are saved. So anyone who attacks us has to go through Jesus first. But Jesus isn't just here as some sort of bodyguard for us. It says that, um, he says that, where is it? Yes, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Salvation is more, more than just protection. It's eternal protection. It's a new life. And it goes way beyond um, uh, just uh, saving us from problems. Uh, but Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus stands in the gap for us. He took on himself the punishment for our sins. And for those who believe, uh, he is the means of access to God. And it's not just um, being, being safe, but it talks there about us going in and out and getting pasture. God has, uh, uh, wants to make sure that we grow and we get our pasture, our food, our spiritual food, our daily food. And he wants us to go in and out. And the shepherd went in and out with the flock. He is there with us when we go out. And he's there with us when we come back in. And his wish is that we have life and have it abundantly. And abundantly means an awful lot, and then some more, and then some more. It gives a glimpse of the enormity of God's grace available to, to us who walk in him and believe in him. Salvation speaks about wholeness, not just about forgiveness from sins, but deliverance from evil, healing, eternal life. It's a new beginning, a new start, through a continual relationship with him. It's the whole package, not just the silver level, the gold level package, it's the top, the absolute best. And it's not just a one-off experience. It's not a trophy we put away in a drawer. I remember well the day, it was St. Patrick's Day, in 1974 when I asked Jesus to come into my life and it made everything look so different from what it was and 
it was a new start. And there may have been many ups and downs. There has been in my life uh, in the 50-odd uh, years since then. But he is still with me and he is still with us if we allow him to be, if we ask him to be. So whatever is robbing us of our joy and our peace in our abundant life, Jesus is the answer. He is the door. He is the point of access. He wants us to come to him and not look elsewhere. Are we listening to God's voice or are we following other voices? I can sometimes find it difficult to hear from God when I get distracted by many things in my life. So his voice can sometimes seem far away, distant. But when we have a problem, let's not settle for the quick fix, the shortcut, or the standard method of just closing your eyes and hoping it'll go away. Let's come to the Lord. He is the door. He is the point of access. He is the one that wants us to come to him this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Carrot Fergus Vineyard podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website, carrotfergusvineyard.org.